And I'm Paul Jabroni, and this is the Engineering History Podcast. If you want to hear about where engineering and history collide, then you're at the right show. Today, we will be going over NASA's occult magician. Yes! But first, (laughs) let's give you guys some background about us. I'm a mechanical engineer doing mostly manufacturing activities at an aerospace company. And I'm a civil engineer focusing in water resources and water quality. Our alcohol for today's podcast is gin and tonic. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. Mm. And our story actually starts almost at the 20s, so it kind of feels appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, Anna. Let's just jump right into it. Um, I think that probably the best way I can introduce today's topic will take kind of an unorthodox walk-in. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you about what I did last weekend. Okay. I was at the annual aerospace games okay sure i believe that for those who don't know what that is uh it's like a weekend where the u.s's top aerospace companies all send teams to a beach in los angeles and we all get together and play beach games and there's like a bracket and you know a winner um i was really interested to see two particular companies there because i had already started my research for this topic that we're going to talk about today okay um, the entities are JPL. I was just about to say, was it JPL? JPL. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Jet Propulsion Lab. Mm-hmm. And Aerojet Rocketdyne. Okay, well. yeah. Um, so I, I get the sense that you're maybe a little familiar with this story. I'm familiar with the, uh, um, Elron Hubbard, right? He's in the story. Yeah. Yes. And, um, some magical sex occult stuff. Oh, we'll get there. Yeah. We'll certainly get there. Yeah. Um, so, so I guess I don't need to then, um, brief you on, or maybe I will, uh, just really briefly, like, what do you know about JPL and, and Aerojet Rocketdyne? Uh, just that, uh, really not much, almost nothing. <laughs> okay. Well, we can start with, uh, JPL. Yeah. Um, JPL, one of NASA's most respected sites. Mm-hmm. They're probably my favorite NASA site. They do, like, the coolest missions. So they did the most recent Mars rovers. Nice. Which are Curiosity and Perseverance. Is that the one that sings Happy Birthday to itself? That's, I believe that's Opportunity. I think they did Opportunity also. I love that. I love rover. that, too. I love it's that, so too. Sad. And I wonder how much of this is, like, you know, the DNA of this. Well, here, this is a weird guy who is kind of behind this now amazing organization. I have to wonder if some, some occult magic filtered down. Yeah. Um, aside from the Curiosity and Perseverance rovers, they did the Ingenuity Mars helicopter. So the first uh, aircraft flown on another... Uh, planet. Oh, didn't the first few like fail or something like that? I don't know. I didn't know if they had ever tried it before. I thought I I could have sworn I heard something where they're like, we tried to do a helicopter on Mars and it did not go well. Wow. Well, maybe they did some test flights. In those that days. might have been. Yeah. Well, it definitely works now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm also aside from this, they also did the Voyager spacecraft, which I'm sure you know about. Mm-hmm. Um, Aerojet. Uh, we'll hear more about their early work, uh, kind of in the podcast. Yeah. Uh, they mainly do propulsion, so they're a propulsion house, okay? So they did the main engines for the Saturn V, which 
sidebar is my favorite rocket of all time. Nice. You know, you're familiar with the Saturn V? Um, no. <laughs> that's the one that launched the Apollo astronauts, like, to the moon and stuff. Oh, yeah, that's okay. That's, like, giant one. Which one was the one that launched a bunch of astronauts where they got into space and then they got stuck or something because something exploded? It was, like, that, Apollo yes. 13. Apollo 13. They launched on a Saturn V, yeah. Oh, yes. nice. So they did the main engines for that, and they also did the main engines for the space shuttle as well. I'm sure you're familiar with those. Mm-hmm. Um, and currently they build solid rocket motors for Blue Origin, so they're still very much in the game. Yeah. They knocked us out of tug of war, sadly. Um, it was a bracketed thing. Those motherfucking bastards. Round three, you know? It was, it was brutal. We're coming after you. This is, we're training every day. You know, we (laughs) talked about actually on the bus ride home, we were like, (laughs) what if we started training and like got a team (laughs) together and, you know, SpaceX has tryouts for their teams. Oh yeah. You guys definitely need that. What if I was like, um, uh, like a company mascot? Okay. All right. That also participated and took steroids from here on until uh, aerospace games and just uh-huh. fucking went had like huge roid rage and beat every single one of those comp- of the competitors. Like physically hit them. No, no, no. Like beat them at the game. Oh, so, well then, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think we're very down for that. We actually do by the rules of the aerospace games. We need a woman on our team. What if you guys just hired me just for the sole purpose of me participating <laughs> in the aerospace games? Because I was just roided the fuck out. <laughs> I think that I can make that investment worth it to our our brass. Yeah. Um. Plus your civil engineering chops. You know, I'm sure we'll we'll you know. You can every... find something. That might be an interesting podcast is, like, all the civil engineering that needs to happen for aerospace to actually work, you know? Yeah. Like, all the like intention the, is always on the rocket. Like the, the driveway. The driveway. <laughs> the, the pavement. The pavement. Which, the pavement, you might be The pavement is actually non-trivial. Like, because when uh, you're shooting, yeah. like, rocket engines at it. It's a lot of stress on it. It's yeah. a lot of stress on it. Back when I used to work for SpaceX, um, at, in Boca Chica... They did a test flight of Starship, like the upper stage of Starship. Yeah. And uh, it just tore the fuck out of the parking lot because it was like, they literally just, I mean, you know, I'm sure it was more complex than this, but I think the asphalt wasn't that much more than like just regular asphalt. Um, And you can actually see in the video as it lifts off, there's just a giant chunk of asphalt (laughs) that just flies off. Poor asphalt. Poor Mm. civil engineers. Yeah. Get a bad rap. No, we don't. That's a really talented team. The the civil team at SpaceX, like oh, those I bet. folks are amazing. Yeah. Um. Anyway, back to uh, back to you know our topic. Who who is this guy? Like like maybe we should just get into like you know. Yeah, I want to know who who is he. Well, his name was Jack Parsons. I yeah I it sounded familiar yeah. Kind of. Oh. Okay. <laughs> His real name was Marvel Whiteside Parsons. What the fuck? But professionally and throughout his life, he was known as Jack, Jack Parsons. Yeah. Which is probably because that's just a weird fucking name. Yeah. Um, it seems like he came from a wealthy but somewhat unstable household, right? Ooh. So they weren't um, lacking materially, mm-hmm. but there was a fair bit of conflict. His dad, his mom caught his dad banging hookers. And then the marriage kind of fell apart. Yeah. And then he went to like live with his grandparents, which was like he he was wealthy before. His family was wealthy. Mm-hmm. His grandparents lived in Millionaire's Mile in LA. Yeah. 
and they had servants, and, like, it was that kind of thing. Damn it. This seems like the perfect breeding ground to make an incel or something like that. I don't get as many... He's not, like, Shockley levels of incel uh, from episode three. Yeah. But he's certainly, um, he's... Well, we'll see his relationship with women is somewhat complex. Yeah, uh, it just seems like his dad doesn't respect, well, clearly his wife because he cheated on on her. Yeah, yeah. I just kind of get that that vibe because Andrew Tate has been blowing up and I'm like, what kind of, you know background did you have and apparently it was not it, really? it was very similar to this it was yeah. like no respect for women kind of thing exactly yeah this all like and i've heard andrew tate's name like <laughs> eight times in the last week i don't is he i guess he must be getting more popular then yeah he yeah i, I don't know why or how he's blowing up he's literally a human sex trafficker i've heard i've heard but people just like him i guess because he can drive fast cars and is mm. uh, somewhat wealthy. Is he kind of like a Dan Bilzerian type, if you know who that is? I'm not familiar with that. It sounds kind of similar. Yeah. He kind of reminds me of, um, who is the here in my garage? Ty Lopez? Yeah, but Ty Lopez didn't um, sell women, so... <laughs> yeah, that's that's a bad look. <laughs> Selling women, never a fun thing. Yeah. Um... You know, it is kind of a fun thing. Mm. Reading science fiction. Oh, hell yeah. Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Mythological tales. That's how Jack spent a lot of his childhood. That okay. sounds very familiar. He read some wild and crazy books, and, and like you say, it sounds kind of familiar, because I think a lot of STEM majors can kind of relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. He had kind of a, a, a next-level thing of, like, I think... Maybe books were kind of his escape from like the craziness of his life, you know. Yeah. Again, pretty Damn pretty heavily relatable. <laughs> yeah. He was inspired by this dream. His kind of overarching goal was eventually he wanted to try to travel to the moon because he knew that this was going to be the age of like space exploration. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, "I'm not going to waste any time. I have the resources. I'm a rich kid. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go out into the Arroyo Seco Desert and just start trying to build a rocket. How like, old was he? 14 when he started. Damn, Jack. Or Marvel, whatever the fuck your name is. He went by Jack. Actually, so his name was Marvel, which was his dad's name. And then when they got divorced, his mom changed his name to John. Mm. And then he went by Jack. But he was born Marvel. Poor kid. Poor kid. Um... <laughs> Speaking of, um, while Jack was dreaming about how to get started with his rocket research, he was also highly engaged in another of his main hobbies. Magic. getting bullied. Oh. <laughs> Damn it. That was good. <laughs> was that the joke? Made that... you think. <laughs> yeah. Was that the joke that you wanted to tell me but thought oh, it was... Oh, oh. I maybe I can't remember. Okay, because that was good. I'm glad you waited until we the got some jokes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Jack was very effeminate, especially as a kid, and later on in life he kind of overcorrected and became a big old macho kind of tough guy. You know, <laughs> they always do. That's a classic kind of thing. Um, there's some evidence he may have been bi. Uh, it's not Hell really. Hell yeah, our yeah. bi kings. Some bi kings. I don't know if he's necessarily the guy you want representing you, but no. I mean, look, you know, it's it's bi kings supporting transgender queens, supporting drag queens, 
supporting asexual agender people. Supporting um, allies. Supporting LGBTQ plus community. I love it. It's full circle. We're not even sure he was bi, to be honest. Okay. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) But he, he... he wasn't like the other kids, and if it wasn't that, it was certainly, you know, the way he thought of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily, Jack had a really good friend as a kid um, who would step in and defend him from the bullies. Uh, this kid was named Ed Foreman, and Ed would be his friend throughout his life. Um, I don't know if there's, like, a gay situation going on here. I have no clue, honestly. I didn't see anything that suggested that, but I also didn't see anything that disproved it. Yeah, and Ed Foreman's son grew up to make the Foreman grill. Yes, Ed (laughs) Foreman, father of George Foreman. (laughs) Which is funny, because I'm pretty sure Ed Foreman was white. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe it was like an adoption. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. We're just joking. That's not... That's That's not actually true. Foreman seems like a very common last name. Yeah, it definitely is. There's at least... Two. <laughs> Maybe three. Maybe almost three. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> um, so Ed was the son of an electrical engineer. So he came from, you know, his family was somewhat technical. His family was not rich at all, though, you know. Um, yeah. But Jack shared his love of space travel with Ed, and they decided to become partners in trying to become rocket men together, basically. Um, nice, nice, nice. So they went out to the Arroyo Seco, like I mentioned. You know, none of these experiments are that successful. They're basically loading propellants uh, through tubes and, like, putting it in tanks. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're, apparently they left the desert just pockmarked with all these holes from all their shit that blew up, you know? Oh, jeez. But, I mean, they were in high school, you know? I mean, come on. Like, in high school, I was, I was like, masturbating most of the time. In high school, I was... Uh... Reading just, like, a lot of books. <laughs> yeah, which and, apparently Jack did a lot, too. Yeah, playing basketball and rowing. Yeah, well, this guy definitely didn't do any of that. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't seem like the athletic type. <laughs> Maybe he was. I mean, apparently, you know, I was looking at some pictures of him, like, as an adult. He's a very handsome person, I will say that. I don't know if he worked out or anything, but... Yeah, maybe yeah. he just has a natural physique. Yeah, maybe. We'll, we'll actually, uh, um, we won't read it because I, I skipped over for this, but his obituary actually describes him as handsome Jack Parsons. Damn, yeah. he should have changed his name to handsome. Maybe it was. <laughs> you know, Kanye West was apparently at one point on the verge of legally changing his name to Kanye West, rich Christian billionaire. <laughs> But he needs to seek help. <laughs> I need him to find God. Oh wait, <laughs> he did. Oh. Um. Anyway, uh, so they're chugging away at their rocket research. Um, and and even at this age, uh, Jack starts to kind of get interested. Yes, in the occult. Um, so it might seem like a weird combination with rocketry, uh, but back then rocketry was actually, and this was surprising to me, rocketry was not respected at all. Like, people thought it was about as farcical as the occult is, pretty much. So, like, aerospace engineering in general, or just... No, like, I mean, if you want to build a plane, like, you know, like, people would be like, well, that exists, you know? Yeah, oh, but just rockets. Yeah, because, like, people thought it was impossible, you know? It was like... It's like, what next? Are you going to invest in, you know, like, brain control technology or something? I don't know. That's not that weird. But, like, something crazy, you know? Yeah, but what about missiles? Because if you had projectile missiles or any kind of missiles, 
Like, you could... Great point. Yeah. Um, missiles, actually. <laughs> well, they're actually not really the same thing. So. Yeah, that's... I mean, yeah, I'm just saying, like, that's, like, the science is... No, I mean, similar stuff. And, I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's, like, why that, you know, like, why rockets have any hope, you know? Yeah. But... You know, as many aerospace companies have learned, like, the difference between, like, going to orbit and going, yeah. like, really close to orbit. It's com- completely different. It's very different. Yeah. Also, missiles, you have to remember, missiles were really new at this time because, you know, oh, like... this was the 20s. This was the 20s and early oh, 30s. Like, yeah. maybe, I mean, V2, I guess, you know? Like, that's that's the instant thought, I think. What's but, V2? Uh, that's the German rocket. Uh, we mm. mentioned it really briefly in episode one. <clears throat> Excuse I, me. It sounded familiar. It'll actually come back up here. Um, nice. But uh, so anyway, like this guy basically like, you know, pretty much had to steal himself to the opinions of others. Like if you're going to study rocketry, I guess it's not that weird to be into the occult yeah. pretty much <laughs> at this point. And actually that's why eventually when they founded JPL, like the Jet Propulsion Lab, like... They weren't making jets. They were making rockets. But if they had called it the Rocket Propulsion Lab, mm-hmm. like, no one would have taken them seriously. So they had to call it Jet Propulsion Lab. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, even legends of rocketry, like Werner von Braun, so he's the guy behind the V2, mm-hmm. and Theodore, excuse me, Theodore von Karman, um, Theodore Van Karman, uh, really quick, that was the Karman line from episode one where it's 69 miles above the earth. Oh, That's the yeah. Boundary of earth these days. Yeah. yeah, 69. He's actually in the story as well. Both of them are. Great guys. Great guys. Love them. Wasn't um, one of them part of, like, um, wasn't one of them a Nazi? <laughs> he was a former Nazi, yes. That would, I'll save it for the Von Braun podcast, because that's definitely happening at some point. Yeah. Weren't they part of uh, Project uh, Paperclip? Not Paperclip. Operation Paperclip, uh, yeah. Operation, yeah. Von Braun was. Uh, von Karman uh, was an American, I believe. Yeah, we need to do a whole, maybe a two-part on that. Uh, who's I feel, who? I feel like that's just so much, so much information. I had a hard time squeezing this down. You know, and we're not even that far in. Um, so I should probably pick up the pace because, like, yes. it's very, like, you know, I actually cut a lot out of this. Okay, go. Um, so, uh, anyway, all I was going to say was these guys had to deal with getting ridiculed as part of their professional lives just on a regular basis. Yeah, welcome to engineering. Yeah. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Jack and Ed are out in the Arroyo Seco chugging away at rocket research. Before they even graduated high school, they had a semi working rocket engine, which, like, what? I know. It's like insane. <laughs> I don't even know where they're learning this stuff. Um, guess where Jack went to college? UC Berkeley. No. George Mason University. I'll give you a hint. Actually, I'll just tell you. Nowhere. Oh. Never went to college. <gasps> really? He's one of my... He's not even a trade school guy. He just immediately got a job. He's like... <laughs> he he got a job at a chemical company and just... He's stole just some a chemicals. Fucking genius. He's just really smart. Obviously, really self-taught. You know. Mm-hmm. It is crazy to think that he's literally building rocket engines in the desert. But so, it's one of the recurring things is he never got a college degree, mm-hmm. and that's a combination of one financial stuff, but two also he just temperamentally there was just something there where like he just didn't. It, it just wasn't for it him. It couldn't stick. Yeah. 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 And, but it kind of makes sense, weirdly, actually, now that I'm saying it, that, like, the guy who's out there just building rocket engines from age 14 is the same guy who 
won't be able to deal with school, you know? Yeah, he's, it's almost like he's too smart for it. Yeah. Like, it was just bored. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's true. Um, but, you know, not going to school, you're pretty limited, right? Yeah. And so Jack and Ed realized the next step was they needed to get more resources so they could do bigger experiments. Uh, and they found it from Theodore von Karman. Okay. At the California Institute of Technology, Caltech. Mm-hmm. Caltech's Guggenheim Aeronautical Lab, okay? Um, so, essentially, uh, Von Karman found these guys, realized they were like geniuses, and they paired him up with his PhD student, Frank Molina, um, to form the GALSIT, so that's the Guggenheim Aeronautical Lab, California Institute of Technology, mm-hmm. rocket research group. Mm-hmm. And their new big project was going to be a rocket motor to drive a liquid-fueled rocket engine. So, for a lot of reasons... Liquid-fueled rockets are way harder than solid-fueled rockets. Um, Well, that's not actually true. So, basically, the solid-fueled rockets are more volatile and more powerful, but they're also a lot simpler. Yeah. Uh, Liquid-fueled rockets are a lot more complicated, but you can really kind of nail the mixture ratio, and you can can get it a lot more um, controlled, basically, but you probably won't get as much power. Mm-hmm. But if you're actually going to use rocketry for anything that's not like a missile where it just needs to crash into something, if you need precision, that's why all of today's major rockets are, are liquid-fueled. Gotcha. Um, so at the time, uh, it felt like Jack and Ed had finally come home, right? Mm-hmm. So Frank and Ed and Jack all kind of shared sort of open-minded socialist values they all hit fat bong rips on the weekends. That's actually true. I believe that. This is California, right? It's California, you know? I don't know if it was bongs per se. They were absolutely smoking tons of marijuana. Yeah. Um, I get this bong rip. <laughs> on the railroad. Um, Jack and Frank actually even wrote a film treatment to raise funding for their work. Okay. Ooh. So it's about a heroic group of young rocketeers trying to make their designs work, and then the Nazis show up and try to steal their ideas. This is during the rise of, you know, Hitler's Germany and stuff. Yeah. No one at the time actually knew how interested the Nazis were in rockets, you know, like the V2 and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I actually put some pieces together, and I think the reason that he knew was because I read earlier that he was on these phone conversations with Von Braun, like Jack, you know, oh. just because he was such a, like, child genius and stuff. He was having these phone conversations with Von Braun. Yeah. Um, and so I think he probably knew that, like, the the Nazis were really interested in rocketry before even, like, the U.S. government did, you know, because he was just had the direct line. He's got that connect. He's got that inside connect. It's like LinkedIn connections. Yeah. Um, but for Nazis. But for Nazis. <laughs> What if they founded a website called, like, Nazi Connect? No, 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 no. And it could be any kind of, it doesn't even have to be Nazi Connect. It could be, like, you know, like, like, commie, commie Connect, you know? What if you made, like, a Nazi Connect, but, like, plot twist? It's just a very, like, a group of very open-minded people who are just, like, yeah. I'm so, not a bad person. I just like the name of this. Yeah, it's, <laughs> this I think group. it just has a ring to it. Yeah. Or maybe it, it is about a Nazi connection, but it's actually run by the FBI. <laughs> they just, like, keep tabs on you. <laughs> yeah. Those websites do exist. Like, the FBI absolutely, they call them honeypots. Oh, yeah. I Yeah, that makes sense. There's, like, a there's like a meme going around where it was, like, 
um, this, like, Twitter user who was like, man, I can't wait to buy weed from my, from my dealer, and then the, like, the local police is like, hi, I'm your dealer, what's your number, <laughs> it's like, some, some yeah. bullshit like that, that's how I imagine the FBI, like, just trying to sneak in. You'd have to imagine they're not that tech savvy. We have a good buddy um, back home who works for a big uh, government agency. Mm-hmm. I won't say who it is because they don't come off very well in the story. He's in this training, this technical training, and this one guy in his training just cannot fucking find when he minimizes a window. He just, <laughs> for the life of him, God no. love him, he cannot find the fucking window again. Yeah. Well, I actually, I just listened to a podcast about one of um, the biggest drug bust in FBI and Homeland Security history. Well, maybe not history, but it was actually, it took place in uh, San Francisco and it, it was really? the Silk Road. Oh, that was here. Really? Yeah. That would be a great engineering history podcast yeah. episode. But like the FBI and Homeland Security and a bunch of other uh, groups were like, you know, th- like they weren't hacking or anything, but they were like arresting people and then like portraying them online to this one guy who was in charge of the Silk Road. So uh-huh. I think they've got some tech savvy people. They do. Actually, I was reading, I don't remember what company it was, but I was reading about this one Silicon Valley tech company and like I was reading about their funding sources and one of them was it was I think they put it like the CIA's venture capital arm and I was like <laughs> what and I was like reading it and the CIA like operates a venture capital firm to like oh. invest in technology for them to use okay interesting yeah, yeah. very well, weird let's just say they're not like my old boss who barely knew how to use excel yeah fair enough um and honestly uh fuck your old boss yeah yeah for reasons other than that. Yeah. <laughs> but also for that. Like, yeah. it's 2022. Like, Get a what grip. the program? It's Excel. Dude, my old boss, one time, I remember, I was just using Google Docs, and he walked by me, and he was like, what's that? <laughs> and I was like, whatever, you know, it's Google. I was like, but it's editing, but you're not typing anything. <laughs> Get with the times, old man. I know. I was like, oh, my God. Like, you make so many more times my salary, and you also, like, don't know how Google Docs works. This is just sad. That is one thing I love about my current job is, like, everyone's, like, it's, you know, high-tech stuff. Oh, yeah. Everyone is, like, in in my office is, like, understands how to use, you know, different, like, coding and, uh, uh, like, AutoCAD, just like programs and stuff like that, and they're super young too. Well, even the olds, <laughs> even the older, uh, older employees are very tech savvy. I, I think part of that is the area, you know. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, anyway, so around this time, Jack also met a beautiful young woman named Helen Northrup. Okay. Northrup and Grumman. I, I was wondering. I don't actually think it is. I think it's coincidence, but yeah. you would think. There's Just some like, like Foreman. Yes. <laughs> Everyone, nobody has an original name. Yeah. Um, uh, they got married, had a good relationship apparently. Mm-hmm. Although Jack annoyed her by sinking a lot of their money into his research. Mm. Um, and he even pawned her engagement ring. And asked her family for loans <gasps> just to keep his research going. Oh. So, uh, in, in venture capital, they call that the friends and family round. Oh, my God. <laughs> when, when your first source of funding is your friends and family. 
Yeah, if you ever pawned an engagement, or if we ever got engaged or married and you pawned my engagement ring, it had better be for a good reason. Well, if I was doing the kind of research like this, you better believe <laughs> I would pawn every piece of jewelry you own. You and I would what? pawn I River. As, you know, I might as well just sell you. What are you good for? <laughs> I'd probably keep you. I would get rid of River for sure. No. I bet someone would buy her. Oh, yeah, she's perfect. Yeah. Um. Anyway... These sort of antics led to enough runway to where on Halloween 1936, they were ready for a test of their uh, rocket motor. Mm -hmm. So Jack, Ed, Frank, and a few other Caltech students went out to the Arroyo Seco, Mm -hmm. and they attempted to fire a test rocket using their motor. Or I'm I'm sorry, I don't actually know if it was the full rocket. I think it was just the motor. Mm -hmm. Uh, Long story short, the test did fail, but the experience was really formative. They learned a lot, and JPL actually looks at this as, like, their first day. Like, they were like, this is the core group that, like, founded JPL. That's nice. You learn success from failure. Exactly. You learn more from uh, failure than success. Exactly. Yeah. Actually, I, I don't remember who said this. I think this is, like, a misquote of Bill Gates, but he said, like, success... I think it's like success is a lousy teacher. I think that was the it's a little more pithy than I remember. That's but. so deep, bro. Yeah, it's not actually that deep. <laughs> I'm saying that. I remember when I first heard that quote, I was like, whoa. Oh my god, Bill Gates, you're a genius. How do you think Bill Gates said it, honestly? <laughs> Just some guy. <laughs> have you ever seen have we talked about Bill Gates' mugshot yet? No. So for a really long time, the default Outlook profile picture was a silhouette of some guy. And it turns out it was actually Bill Gates' mugshot from when he got arrested. Uh, what was he arrested for? So he was uh, driving his, I believe he was driving his Lamborghini about like 95 in a 20 zone. And then he got pulled over. What a and then he started calling the cop like various names. And he said that the cop was like anti-Semitic and stuff. And then the cop sent him to jail. And he's like, there's his mugshot where he's like, he's like already a billionaire at this point, you know? And he just has like the most shit-eating grin. And he's like our age, you know? And he's oh just God. like, fuck you, my, I'm going to buy lawyers. And like all these things. And seems like such a cunt, honestly. Yeah, he's still... Is. <laughs> you know, I think the Bill Gates hatred is kind of overplayed. That's just me. Well, he was friends with Jeffrey Epstein, was he not? <laughs> friends is a strong word. You know, the whole Jeffrey Epstein thing, that's something I don't think we should jump on at all because that is... Yeah. I'm way too into the conspiracies on that. I Listen, don't even know what's real. Why did Melinda divorce Bill? That is, hey, good point. I mean, look, I'm not saying they were friends, but yes, he definitely went to the island for sure. Oh, yeah. Um. Anyways, Epstein didn't kill himself. Epstein, there's no fucking way. (laughs) No way. Speaking of, actually, weirdly, that's a weird transition. (laughs) Because the Galsid group continued to tinker. The rocket started to work. At some point, they got it going for over a minute, the rocket motor. Ah. And because of the dangerous nature of their experiments, they called themselves the Suicide Squad. (gasps) Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) I originally had... Oh, no, the joke I was going to say, I actually originally cut out due to time, but Mm -hmm. I'll say it right now anyway. I was going to say that, like, one of their students was a young student named Will Smith who told Uh... them, so that's it, huh? I guess we some kind of Suicide Squad. (laughs) (laughs) And then that's what inspired the movie Uh... Suicide Squad. I love how... I I laugh at all your stupid jokes. That's not funny at all. It's not, but it's kind of 
funny. It's a little funny. I liked it. That's one of the reasons I like you. <laughs> We um, some kind of Suicide Squad. Let's <laughs> be some kind of Suicide Squad, which Jeffrey Epstein, not a part of. No, he was not a part of that. Um, so stuff's going pretty good for Jack. Yeah. Uh, things are looking his way when all of a sudden... Uh-oh. Some friends of Jack and Helen... Like, you know how, like, couples have, like, couple friends? It's like that kind of situation. Yeah. It's like, so they're couple friends. Do I have their names on there? I don't. Um, they asked them if they wanted to try something a little out there. A little s- stinky. <laughs> uh, well, probably. I mean, maybe a little bit. <laughs> I was going to say spicy. I know, I know. I saw you winding up. And then it came out stinky. <laughs> <laughs> For all we know, I mean, it could be stinky. It was definitely stinky, actually. Oh, ew. <laughs> A little dangerous. Oh. They asked them if they wanted to go to the Gnostic Mass. Mm. Okay? So this is a religious rite performed by the Ordo Templi Orientis, mm-hmm. otherwise known as the OTO. Otto. So we should probably give a little background on the OTO. Mm-hmm. This is an occult organization that practiced a pseudo-religion called Thelema, or maybe Thelema, but I'm going to say Thelema because I think that's what it really is. Mm-hmm. Sounds cooler. Thelema was created by an occultist named Alistair Crowley. Okay. I love that guy. Yeah, you know I've heard okay. all the podcasts, yeah. I, I, had, I didn't know that much about him before starting this research. Mm-hmm. Basically, he's kind of legendary as just a really fucking weird guy. Yeah. Very off his rocker. Um, he thought he was a prophet who had the responsibility of guiding humanity into the eon of Horus, which was an age of self-realization, and mm-hmm. Thelema was kind of his vehicle to do that. Yeah, he had, like, full-blown, like, like visions and auditory mm-hmm. hallucinations about from, like, Horace, like, talking to him. Yes, yeah, maybe an inspiration for Moon Knight, even, who knows? Moon Knight. Moon Knight. Um, yeah, and he totally off his rocker, but also, I kind of fucking love this guy. I know, like, yeah. <laughs> he seems so, like, kind of classy, like, you know, like... I definitely would be, like to be friends with him. No, for sure, I bet he's great to just crack a beer with. Um, anyway, so Jack is kind of impressed by the Gnostic Mass, Mm -hmm. and he starts getting into this Thelema stuff. He and Helen were initiated into the OTO's Agape Lodge in 1941, okay? Okay. So he's about 30 at the time. The OTO is impressed by him, of course. He's kind of an impressive guy at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, after he had been around for a while participating in lodge activities... There was actually talk by the higher-ups of one day he could even succeed Crowley in his position in the Ooh. OTO. Jack Crowley. could succeed? Crowley in the OTO, yeah. Ooh. So they really were, were a big fan of this guy. Yeah. Anyway, he's doing all that stuff on the side. Back on planet Earth, Frank is still trying to scare up some funding for their group to continue rocket experiments. Okay? Mm-hmm. Through his work, they got a contract with the Army to put a rocket engine on a fighter jet, okay? So the idea here is you would have the fighter jet on the ground, the mm-hmm. fighter jet would start to take off, and then you fire the rocket engine at the same time, and then that provides extra thrust so you get into the air faster. Oh, interesting. You don't much runway, and you can go quicker, right? Yeah. It's called jet-assisted takeoff. Um, it's a real thing. I think yeah. we still use it today. I mean, fighter jets basically use that same principle, you know? Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Um, so basically... Uh, the main issue here is that up until now, they were working with solid propellant rockets, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and like we mentioned, there are kind of the downsides that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. The Army suggested that they switch to liquid-propellant rockets, which is kind Oof. of a, a, you know, a little bit of a challenge for them. Yeah. On the plus side, they just start grinding and grinding. The, the My sources that I was reading about this just go on and on about the various, like, they tried, like, gasoline and ammonium nitrate and all these crazy things. In yeah. 1941, late 1941, sorry, were you going to say something? No, it's just the the grind is real. The grind is in engineering. The grind is very real. Yeah. Um, but it can have a payoff, like it did in late 1941. Mm-hmm. They finally found a formulation of liquid propellant that worked, that provided five times more thrust than their solid propellant. So they were pretty pumped about that. Yeah, they were. They were pretty pumped because it was liquid. Yeah. yeah, they were pumping liquid. Hey, woo! Nice. <laughs> This resulted in the successful test launch of a Douglas A-20 Havoc with one of their rocket motors strapped to it. You see improvements across the board. Mm -hmm. Okay. They're going out that night, doing coke off strippers' tits. They're having a great time. We don't always have to go back to coke on strippers' tits. Oh, we do in this story. Oh, I forgot. (laughs) I forgot. (laughs) This is probably the one episode where it's not an exaggeration. (laughs) Oh, boy. So, um... The army is thrilled, obviously, and they agree to buy 60 of these motors from mm-hmm. the from them. Mm-hmm. In order to sell them, Parsons and his crew officially started the Aerojet Engineering Corporation. Nice. Nowadays, Aerojet Rocket died. Mm-hmm. Some more neat propellant history. Uh, Jack wasn't satisfied with their previous solid propellant formulation, which was Galsit 27, mm-hmm. and he decided to dust it off after this contract was over, and he got to work making a propellant with the same properties, but that could be stored in a more stable way. So remember we said solids are kind of unstable. Yeah. Jack wants to make it more usable, more more durable, all that kind of thing, right? Gotcha. This led to his development of Galsit 53, which used liquid asphalt as a binding agent of all things. What the fuck? <laughs> I, I don't even know how it works, but essentially it just stabilized the compound. It was later recalled that Parsons was inspired in this by the legend of Greek fire. Ooh, what is the legend of Greek fire? Oh, so Greek fire, Cliff Notes version, was an ancient weapon where basically, like, it was kind of like an ancient napalm, basically, where you'd have ship combat and then you would just shoot it, like, basically at your opponents and just light their ship on fire and kill everyone. Like wildfire. Exactly. So wildfire is Greek fire. It's like, you know how Game of Thrones always lifts, like, historical stuff? Yeah. It's literally just wildfire, except it doesn't burn green. (laughs) Yeah, but it just doesn't stop burning. it, It is really hard for it to stop burning. And actually, we don't know how to make it today because... The formulation of Greek fire was a very closely guarded secret. Yeah. And um, nowadays, like, that's all been lost to history. And I think they lost it when the Library of Alexandria burned, although I could be wrong about that. Damn. Even if you, like, tried to, like, blow on it, like, it wouldn't go out. Not even close. Damn. Like, imagine, like, it's like napalm, you know? Like, it's basically napalm, right? So, like, it will just never go out. That's awesome. Pretty crazy. Pretty fun stuff. Yeah. Um, And inspired Parsons a lot. Mm-hmm. Kind of hard to overstate how important this um, this breakthrough was to rocketry, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, there had never before been a solid rocket fuel that was stable enough to store and bring both really hot and then take it down really cold and then bring it back to ambient and it still works. Whoa. That had never happened before, okay? Mm-hmm. And you could use it in any weather. A plasticized variant of this very fuel, the Galsit fuel, 
was later used in the space shuttle's solid rocket boosters. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's a direct line. I think it's weird because there's, like, often a cutoff between, like, this is this weird occult guy, and, you know, that all happened in the past. I'm sure JPL or Aerojet would tell you that story. Yeah. But, okay, but then why is this guy's fuel in the space shuttle? You know what I mean? Which we think of as something much more modern. Yeah, that's true. Um... Because of all the success, the U.S. Navy starts putting in massive orders for Aerojet for more solid rocket motors, okay? Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I, I think these are solid rocket motors, and if they're not, then they're just upgrade versions of the liquid rocket motors. I'm a little unclear on that. Okay. But essentially, they're really interested in the jet-assisted takeoff, and they just want more of that. So instead of 60 motors, they put in an order for 2,000 motors. Oh, okay. they want that shit. Oh, oh, and World War II breaks out, okay? Uh, probably even more, right? 20,000. <gasps> and not not a contract of 20,000. 20,000 per month. Oh, my God. It's insane. Lordy, Lord. And this is the same time the Galsic Group is given $3 million to form an entity to make rocket-based weapons. You're bringing out the Southern in me, Paul. Lordy, Lord. It has a lot of units. It's a lot. And in order to do that, they needed to form a new entity called the Jet Propulsion Lab. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. As you can imagine, Jack's life went insane trying to put Aerojet in a place where they could keep up with the demand and help with fledgling JPL. But that's not the only reason Jack's life is going insane right now. What's the other reason? He made a very unwise decision at this point. Oh, no. Which was to start banging Helen's sister, who was 17 <gasps> at the time. You bastard! Helen yeah. supported you! <laughs> Helen, you pawned her engagement ring. Yeah. You asked her family for loans. Oh, my God. You banged I... her underage sister. Yeah, well, I mean, okay, I'm trying to think. In, if I were Helen, well, my sister's not underage, but... If you banged my underage sister, I, it would be more than a divorce. You you would be dead. <laughs> that would be... It, it seems like that would be a hard hurdle to overcome. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine going to couples counseling like, <laughs> yeah, we really want to make the marriage work, but <laughs> he banged my sister who's 17 years old. You know, if I was a marriage counselor and you brought that to me, I'd probably say, like, you should just get divorced. That seems fair. Yeah. I once listened to a really funny comedy special from this guy who was talking about he went to therapy one time, and the therapist was like, I don't know, bro, it kind of sounds like you should kill yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's, like, a true story, but he was saying it. It was really funny, and, like, it sounded true to me. (laughs) Oh, I think we scared Bruber. She got excited when I was like, no! (laughs) I think if somebody started banging river sister who i would remind you is underage in human years yes she is nine um then that would be a big problem yeah since she's also a dog (laughs) so maybe let's go back and start to unpack like why jack would think this was a good idea okay back in the world of the oto to be clear it's not um he maybe got the idea from like the OTO, libertine sexual rules were commonplace. Jack's riding high on life, you know. He's, like, really, like, he's in a good place. Mm-hmm. But we'll also hear that it seems like he may have suffered from some form of manic depression. And uh-huh. so 
I'm sure he kind of got into this mental place. I'm sure he was doing drugs also, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure there was just a bunch of, like, muddying factors of, like, you know, like, mentally, I think he was really not doing well, even though he probably felt amazing. And this is the whole thing of manic depression where you're like, nothing can take me down and there's no consequences, you And know? then you hit a really bad low. And we're gonna see that. We're gonna see that. Oh, God. Anyway, in the meantime, Helen was obviously not very thrilled about this whole lot. Uh, that seems fair. That's a fair reaction. <laughs> I can't really blame her for that no one. No judgment here, sister. No judgment, queen. Um, queen slay. I don't, it's hard to slay when you're getting your, when your husband is banging your sister. and Who's underage. Who's underage. Uh, anyway, she, there's another OTO member, Wilfred Talbot Smith. Helen decides to go be with him, you know. Strangely, they all stayed friends, oh, um, oddly. I, th- I thought she went with L. Ron Hubbard or something like that. We'll get to us. I know what you're thinking. Of. We'll get to that. Okay, gotcha. Um, so right now, it's the four of them and all the other Lodge members. Allegedly, they're all doing okay. Um, but it has to be pretty awkward. And actually, it probably got really awkward because... They all decided to move into a communal house together, the OTO members. That seems dangerous. <laughs> Very dangerous. And I have to imagine it's, like, one of those things where they're all, like, banging and, like, doing drugs and, like, doing yeah. rituals and stuff, yeah. you know? Not that communal housing is bad. Totally I'm just, cool. I'm just thinking, like, your ex-husband who banged your underage sister. Who's now also living with you in that same house. Yeah, and you're there with your new lover, I'm guess. guessing. Yeah. Like, that's the part that seems dangerous to me what's well, a little more complicated i don't think i wrote this down but her new lover is actually the head of the lodge on paper so oh, now it's like a status thing and like cool oh, yeah. he's a status fuck he's a status fuck i actually cut out a bunch of stuff but basically there was a whole thing of like crowley wanted parsons to take over the lodge and then parsons didn't want to take over the lodge and then oh. smith and Crowley were having some whole thing and yeah. anyway it, it a lot of that's kind of you know just details we don't need Parsons is like I'm a little busy he's a little busy <laughs> um but you know actually I actually ran into a really interesting detail which was that in Parsons room was a copy of the steel of revealing okay mm-hmm. so this is an ancient Egyptian artifact uh which was revered in Thelema as a religious kind of uh artifact Mm-hmm. Its real name was the steel of Ankh F. Khonshu. So I think it actually had something to do with Khonshu from Moon Knight. Moon Knight. Moon Knight. <laughs> but what's even weirder than that, and I think this is a wild coincidence. I was reading about this last night. I was just going down a rabbit hole, just doing kind of putting the finishing touches on this. Mm-hmm. And you know where this uh, artifact was found? Where? The burial temple at Deir el-Bari, which you might remember... The mortuary temple of Queen Hat, who was found inside her burial temple. Bro, it all connects. So it all connects. The Engineering History Podcast is where <laughs> we get lightning in a bottle and it's like chaining to other episodes that we don't even yeah. mean to. I don't know, it was just a really weird There's coincidence to me. strings attached to everything, man. Yes, especially when it comes... I felt a little weird researching this occult stuff, because I was like, what if that's the gateway into, like, you know... To sex some parties. Weird shit? No, no, <laughs> like, 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 just, I don't know. There's, I don't know. Who knows, right? Just, just a lot of weird stuff going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Jack is now fully into his life at the Lodge. 
He's using much harder drugs, amphetamines, whatever you got. Nice, nice, as you do. As you do. Um, obviously cocaine. Mm-hmm. Showing obviously. up to work hungover. Um, we've and then, all been there. We've all been there, right? No, I haven't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think I've... I showed up to class. Uh, <laughs> you showed drunk. up to class, yeah. But I, I don't think I've, I've never been at work drunk ever, and I don't think I've ever even really been to work hungover. Um, yeah. But I've definitely been at school drunk. <laughs> <laughs> it's just engineering things. That's just engineering That's how you life, cope with right? Physics class. Some classes don't matter. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, so do, do the whole thing with Crowley and Smith and everything. Jack eventually becomes the head of the Agape Lodge. And they're all living in this house now. Um, this leads to more distractions. He even gets Ed Foreman to join the lodge. So now Ed Foreman's there. Foreman's and he's grill. Living, and he's grilling on the weekends <laughs> on the Foreman grill. He still works with Foreman at Aerojets and has this weird, like, connection, you know. Uh-huh. And this is the same time Aerojet's trying to ramp production to 20,000 units a month. Oh, my gosh. It all basically just becomes too much. Yeah. Um, so Aerojet receives a buyout offer, and this is when the knives come out, okay? Knives out. Knives out. Great movie. Good movie. Great, great movie. I enjoyed it. Would recommend. Aerojet's employees, who were not Jack and Ed, said they would only agree to the buyout if Jack and Ed left the company. <gasps> These and bastards. <laughs> Kill them all. <laughs> you know, for me, I can kind of see why. <laughs> yeah. This dude's like on cocaine showing up and... Yeah. He's probably like, what, a millionaire by now? He could easily retire, right? It's funny you say that. Um, so, basically, um, we'll fast forward, we'll go back a little bit. But Jack eventually takes the deal. He walks away with $11,000. What? Yeah, <laughs> which I think this is around the same time period as our last episode, and I seem to remember that was, like, a little similar to the buyout the Radium Girls got, the payout. Yeah, it was, like, 160 k or something like Not that. Not that much Not for that Aerojet much. Rocket Dying, which now, yeah. of course, is is in the military-industrial complex, and it's, yeah. you know, you'd be, you'd be definitely Bezos, Warren Buffett level, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Um... But, you know, he left, and weirdly, actually, um, Jack took it in stride and mentioned that rocket technology would be obsolete when the war ended. Um, He's just bitter. I think he's bitter, and he's on drugs, and there's just some fuck shit going on. I have to imagine he was under a lot of pressure, and then once the buyout happened, he's like, I don't have to really deal with this anymore. Yeah. No, for sure. Also, like, fuck you, this is my company kind of thing. I think that's part of it, and I think there's bitterness for sure. Yeah. Um, You know, and he doesn't know that JPL in 15 years is going to become part of NASA. NASA Mm -hmm. doesn't even exist at this point. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think you're right. I think it's bitterness and some form of denial. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, the the other employees weren't just mad at him for his, like, weird habits. Also, Jack, at his fundamental level, so one of the distinctions we're making at work right now where I work is the difference between being a development-oriented person mm-hmm. and a production-oriented person, right? Yeah. So... If you're a development-oriented person, you're out in the Arroyo Seco, you're just throwing shit together, you're seeing what sticks. Mm-hmm. That kind of person is very rarely the same kind of person 
who can ship 20,000 units a year. You know, they're just not interested in assembly, manufacturing, that kind of thing. Yeah, so from a civil engineering perspective, development is more of like the design level, right? Yeah, basically. Yeah, it's like, it's your experimenting, basically, you know? Yeah, and then construction would be the production. Yes, exactly. It sounds perfectly analogous. Yeah. So Parsons is absolutely a development guy, design guy, for sure. He's a creative outlet, you know, he's an individual... Um, he'll he'll spec it out and then leave it for other people yeah, to figure out. Yeah, he's just a ragtag, rad dude. He's a ragtag, rad dude. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Jack is now out of the game, walking away with his eleven thousand dollars, and now he has way more time for the OTO. Oh hell yeah! He divorces Helen and continues an open relationship with Sarah. Um, oh no. Who is at least 18 now? If that matters. I hope. I, <laughs> and no, I mean, it, it certainly matters, but it's like. <laughs> He's grooming her. It's grooming and also, like, yeah, well, it's grooming. Jesus. She should get out of there. He solidifies his place in the lodge with raucous late night parties and progressively weirder rituals. Okay? Mm-hmm. But he doesn't see the lodge's newest member coming a sci fi author and U.S. Navy officer. Oh! And I was trying to think of another Hubbard so we could say he's like the Hubbard grill or something. (laughs) You know, I I actually have a Scientology building right next to where I work. um, Yeah. Strangely. And every time I've been passing it recently, I've been thinking of of this whole thing. Because I was just thinking like, it's so weird. You know, I saw Aerojet and JPL the other weekend and now Scientology. And And you also saw the LA Aqueduct. I did. Yeah, I drove by the LA Aqueduct. Oh my God. Like, there's weird... I'm going to get away from the occult stuff. It's <laughs> like, this is... I have a few too many coincidences. Too many. hat, also a weird coincidence. Yeah, so weird. I don't know. Stuff's lining up a little too, too cutely, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So Sarah, Helen's sister... The child. The child, who is now basically still a child, <laughs> sees this... Elron Hubbard is like a magnet to her, okay? She mm-hmm. becomes enamored, okay? And because she's in this open relationship, she's not tied down to Jack. Mm-hmm. So she just kind of floats away from Jack and floats into the orbit of this L. Ron Hubbard guy. Nice, as you do. As you do. Jack's not very pumped, you yeah. know, which, you know, bro, you signed up for an open relationship, so I don't know what you were expecting. Yeah, right? also, she's a, she's a baby. <laughs> she's a baby. Um... Hubbard, nonetheless, respects Jack's position as head of the lodge. He's not doing anything overtly challenging. Mm-hmm. Even though with his career as a con man, as we're going to see, like I think mm-hmm. maybe he's buttering Jack up here, like giving him like fake respect. That's what I'd assume. Yeah. Um, so in order to maybe kind of prove his loyalty, he helps Jack with a bunch of rituals that involve him standing and taking notes while Jack masturbates onto sacred objects. <laughs> And he's just kind of standing there, just taking notes. He's very intent on his note taking. I don't know. I don't, these weren't short rituals. Either. Oh God! Like sacred objects. Whatever you got, like texts, no. you know, like anything. No, not the sacred objects. There's a whole thing called sex magic. We don't oh, need to get into it. Oh God. Basically, yeah. <laughs> 
River wants to partake in a <laughs> cult now. I wouldn't be surprised if they got into bestiality. They oh, no. Any kind of shit that you could think of. God, what a cute dog. I know, I love you. I love you. So, Jack spends, like, even more time than usual. He, he's kind of unemployed now, you know. He's spending even more time than usual doing weird rituals, and he declares that his new goal after the whole rocket thing, mm-hmm. is to bring the Thelemite goddess Babylon to Earth. Ooh. Okay? And he's going to do this through the sex magic, through these weird rituals, whatever you got, right? All right. I think something a little bigger is going on here. And I think it goes back to what we were talking about before, where Jack, I think, had some pretty severe mental health problems. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the beginning of a deep, depressive episode where pretty much one of the few things like tethering him to like reality mm-hmm. is is slipping away, right? He he doesn't have a job anymore. He spends all his time in this like weird house where everyone he lives he likes also lives there, you know. Yeah. And they're all like fucking and they're all doing drugs and it's all just a weird mix of stuff. Yeah. I mean, even normal people who don't really uh like, suffer from severe depression, go through, yes. like, hard times when they're unemployed. I mean, yes. even during, like, the coronavirus and everyone was, like, locked up. Oh, my up, God. Like, I hated that. I was yeah. like, yeah. I cause... loved it, but I'm a <laughs> homebody, so. <laughs> I liked it at first, but I just got tired of, like, like not being able to hang out with people. Yeah, I made it through, like, three or four months, and then I was mm-hmm. like, I kind of need to see, like, a human face. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't just, like, yours or my parents. Definitely. It, it reminds me a lot of, um, I was listening to a podcast with one of the PayPal co-founders, a guy named Max Levchin, mm-hmm. and he said he, after he sold PayPal, like, he, he hesitated to call it depression, but his life just became meaningless. Like, there was no reason to get up in the morning, you know, like, he had no purpose, you know? Yeah, what do you do after that? What, I mean, he was, like, you know, a multimillionaire. He could do anything he wanted, you know? Yeah, and dude, just go on a vacation. That's the thing. I mean, how many vacations can you go on before it's like, okay, like, I'm not going to get that much meaning out of this, like, Mai Tai, you know? Yeah, that's true. But I think human beings are built to contend with struggle, you know? I think that's really true, you know? you And if you don't have a struggle, like, go run a marathon. Go create your own struggle, you know? Yeah, do a podcast. That's what do we're podcast. doing. <laughs> yes. It's a challenge to sit here and read Wikipedia. Yeah, and, like, get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of. Mm, mm. Yeah, super hard. Mm. I, think, uh, I think my mix ratio in this drink is great. Yeah, that's great. Um... Anyway, uh, so, yeah, I just think there's a lot of mental issues going on, and <clears throat> in addition to, like, these weird rituals, Jack becomes paranoid, um, and that's part of where I'm getting this mental health stuff from. He thinks he's being watched by ghosts, oh. or even worse, the FBI. Oh, God, the FBI. This leaves an opening for the agile and sharp-minded Hubbard to take advantage of Jack, mm. okay? So now that he's buttered him up, he decides to engage in a con act and who's his partner in crime it's sarah that bitch actually queen get your bag you were definitely you were abused you were groomed you should get some payout (laughs) Um, so hubbard get it sarah and hubbard stole ten thousand dollars from jack through this whole con act of like they were like, you just need to give us some money and we're going to buy these yachts and then we're going to sail them around the world and sell them at a profit wherever we end up. Mm. Of course, they just take his money and start sailing around <laughs> the world. 
And then Jack goes to them and they're like, I want my money back. And Sarah's like, oh, really? Would you also like to be prosecuted for statutory rape? <laughs> she really say yeah, that? Yeah, she said that. Queen, yes. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> they still get, like, Jack still takes into court. I think he gets like $3,000 out of them. But oh. by that point, you know, they're gone. Sarah leaves. Hubbard leaves to start Scientology and Dianetics and everything. <laughs> yeah. So. Queen got some of the bag anyway. And yeah. We'll respect that, right? <laughs> she got a boat. <laughs> she got a boat, you know. And, you know, $10,000 went a long way back then. Although, yeah. you know, it's weird because I didn't think of the significance of, like, they stole 10000 from him and he only got 11000 from uh, Aerojet, which I'm sure was the biggest financial thing in his life. So, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, I, I have to imagine he's not doing too well financially. Probably not. All this leaves a really bitter taste in Jack's mouth. Um, he decides he's done with the OTO. Um, so he sells Mm. the group house. Uh, he resigns as the head of the Agape Lodge. Um, he's never going to succeed Crowley because he doesn't want to. And while he's still a believer in Thalema, um, he isn't going to be working with the OTO anymore. Damn. So he leaves, but he does get married to a lodge member before he leaves. Uh, her name is Marjorie Cameron. Um, I think she was in some movies. Um, she seems like kind of like a, a Yoko Ono, but not like in a corruptive way. She seems like kind of just an artist type, you know? Oh, Yoko Ono is not corruptive. R- well, there's a whole debate, isn't there, you know? Yeah, well, okay. Is that I not just, true? I don't I know I just anything. listened to a podcast about okay. this. I'm a Yoko Ono stan now. I, I literally, I clearly have stepped on a, a giant mummy, <laughs> which I was totally unaware Five of. Five years of dating, and then... <laughs> <laughs> What's your opinion on Courtney Love killing Kurt Cobain? <laughs> Um, I could see it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I don't think that's true. It's it's just like a whole thing. It's a trope of like the, you know, the... The women yeah. that are with very famous men are, mm-hmm. they have to be evil yeah, or exactly. corruptive or manipulative. They can't be supportive for some reason. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, this is the beginning of Jack's later years, um, which are marked, sadly, by turmoil. Due to his socialist leanings and occult tendencies, he lost his security clearance uh, during the McCarthy era, right? Oh, so they were really? trying to suss that's, out commies. Yeah, that's surprising. <laughs> <laughs> so surprising. <laughs> you know, it's everything's starting to get a lot more regulated and, and a little more, uh, you know, let's say conservative, you know, it's the McCarthy era. Yeah. Um, you know, if you don't have a clearance... And this is even, this is less true now, but this was certainly true up until maybe even like 10 years ago. Like, if you don't have a clearance, you're pretty much banned from working in aerospace. Yeah. Was McCarthy era the Red Scare kind yes, of? The, the exact yeah, same thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. So, um, and there were plenty of people, I mean, I don't even think Jack was a communist at all, you know? No, he, you said just, he was a socialist. He's a socialist, yeah. Same thing. Same thing. I'm from Texas, y'all. It's basically all, they're all commies. (laughs) They're all commies. Um, He had like a commie friend one time, I guess. He and Frank used to hang out with this guy back when they were in their radical like bong smoking days, you know. (laughs) That commie uh, bastard. You know, he went to a few commie meetings, decided it wasn't for him, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So he actually continues his downward spiral. I found this a little tragic. So in order to support himself, he started a pyrotechnics company. Which, I don't know why, I just kind of, like, picture him in this, like, you know, he's making, like, bullet props and, like, pyrotechnics for, like, movies and stuff, which, like, 
It just feels like kind of a waste, you know? I know. And he's like a... He's literally a genius. I know. He's like he, a mad genius. He built a rocket, like, in high school. I know. <laughs> and I just imagine him, like, at some sad, dark workbench, like, oh, I better work on these pyrotechnics, you know? Yeah, with the manager that's, like, overbearing and, you know... Well, he found the company. Oh, okay, like, never mind. So he himself. is the manager. <laughs> I mean, that part's nice, but... You know what it actually reminds me of? This isn't in my notes, but... um. There's actually a deleted scene from the first Avengers film, just mm-hmm. to go back to our Marvel discussions that we always <laughs> somehow have. And there's a scene that it comes right before uh, Captain America is reintroduced to the film, you know, where he's like boxing and he tells Nick Fury, like, you're trying to get me back into the world, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's a, a laptop screen and it's playing these videos, like, from the World War II era of, like, Captain America was taking the fight to the, the Germans, you know? And it's like him mm-hmm. and he's like kicking ass and stuff. And then the video stops, and in the black reflection of the screen, you see him, and he just looks so sad, and he's, like, sitting in this dark room, because, like, all his friends are dead, because he just woke (laughs) up in the future, you know, and he has no friends anymore. What a loser. (laughs) I just imagine that, like, for Jack, you know, he's lost everything, and... Yeah. But also, you know, as bad as I feel for him, you know, and definitely some of this is mental health, absolutely, but also... He's clearly also made some really serious mistakes as well. Yeah, I imagine him, like, alone in a shack, just, like, putting together pyrotechnics that are so easy for him because he's a genius and just, like, being very sad and alone. That was the impression I got, too, and it's a depressing scene regardless. Yeah, and then I remember he groomed a child, so... He did. There were, like, (laughs) drug situations. Yeah, I don't feel that bad after that. You really need to watch Breaking Bad. I don't. No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) So Jack decides he's going to break himself out of this sad existence. Uh Uh-oh. He decides on a plan to move to Israel. Oh, okay. Where it's his security clearance. I thought out. it was a different kind of breakout of his sad no. existence. <laughs> that would be really tragic. Mm-hmm. Um, no, um, but he he decides he wants to go to Israel because obviously his security clearance won't matter there, and he can still work on rocketry. Obviously, there's a whole Zionist component there, but he seems okay with overlooking that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just a slight overlook. Just a slight overlook. Yeah. There's a great podcast series, Fear and Loathing in the New Jerusalem. Which oh just yeah. Goes, this era is just like a crazy time for Israel, obviously, you know? Yeah. Um, actually at one point he actually has an offer to move there and take a job there, but he tried to take a bunch of technical documents with him. And then he was stopped by the FBI on espionage charges. Cause they thought he was trying to like leak documents or something. I don't know like what was going on there, you know, oh, maybe just, they just didn't want him to leave the country or maybe leave him alone. He's trying to like, he's a sad sack at this point, you know? Yeah. He, no, yeah, yeah. He's a pathetic person. On the other hand, like, maybe he really was trying to leak documents. I don't know, like, you know, but... That's I get that fair. Impression. Okay, devil's advocate. Okay, okay, that's fair. I can see it both sides. Um, the charges are later dropped, you know, but his window at that point is closed, and they, they don't want him anymore, you know? Ooh, that sucks. So after this, Parsons and Cameron, you know, his wife, mm-hmm. decide they're going to leave for Mexico instead. So they're hoping they can eventually emigrate to Israel, and in the meantime, Jack can work and stuff. Yeah. They also want to start a family in Israel. Mm-hmm. The day before they left, Jack got a rush order of explosives for a film set. Oh my god, I just remembered how he died. No! While he was working on it, through whatever series of circumstances, his laboratory explodes. <gasps> he lives for 37 minutes afterwards, 
uh, despite the fact that his arm and his leg were blown off and <gasps> half his mouth was blown off and just this insane shit. He hung on. He tried to communicate with the EMTs, um, but he eventually died. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I'm just really sick in the head. I'm just thinking, like, the wife really wanted a baby. Like, she, maybe she was thinking, like, well, is his penis still intact? <laughs> like, maybe we can just pump one out really quick. <laughs> That. Just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway. very sad, very tragic, horrible accident. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch of conspiracy theories about his death. You know, maybe there were some people who wanted him dead. You know, I don't know if any of that's really true. That it was it was planned. Yeah, like so, who put in the order or whatever? Mm-hmm. There's people who say he was meticulously careful when he like worked with stuff. There's other people who said he's reckless and he would have done this, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no real evidence either way. I don't think we can know conclusively. Yeah, he seems like the kind of guy that might be a little reckless. Yeah, he does. Um, like especially because like Arroyo Seco stuff and like being a dev tech, you know, he was just kind of like that that kind of person but mm-hmm. you know there were other people who at aerojet said like at aerojet apparently he was really careful um oh. i'd assume there might be like a link between like manic depression you know or like when he's manic he's like really like going crazy yeah whereas if he's maybe a little subdued he would be a little more careful i could see that it's possible or maybe like when he's in work mode he can like switch it on or off or something like that yeah but the order was too much of a rush or something you know yeah in this case yeah i don't know well we'll never know the world may never know the world almost certainly will never know no they won't yeah the end (laughs) you know i was thinking actually at one point like what if someday they figure out how to make a chronometer do you know what a chronometer is no it's like a device where you can look into the past and like use the future to perfectly like predict the events of the past so you could rewind any moment and like see how it led up and you would be able to see like anything that had ever happened. Oh. I'm sure it would be probabilistic. Obviously it's nothing we could do with our current technology, but let's make it. We can make it. <laughs> I think we could. <laughs> Seems simple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh it doesn't seem that hard. Yeah. Anyway, we've about reached the end of this podcast. Um yeah. I do have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Which is does it take a guy who's, or a gal, for that matter, mm-hmm. who's really kind of out there and a weirdo to kind of come up with the next big thing? Like, could Parsons have been into rocketry if he also was not into weird shit like the occult? And before you answer, let me remind you that Newton spent about a quarter of his time in his life on alchemy. Mm-hmm. Einstein spent, sorry, Edison spent his final years designing an apparatus to contact the dead oh yeah Um, i think jung was also really into alchemy um so just kind of in that context like is it possible to be a true and real innovator without also just being a funky weirdo you have to that's like listen all innovators were bullied (laughs) when they were younger so that's how they cope is just to be weirdos so to answer your question yeah you have to be a weirdo it's kind of part of the requirement name one engineer that we know that isn't just a fucking weird person i can't so as not to invade their privacy but i will say there's some really boring engineers out there and they're the ones who aren't innovative and they're Mm -hmm. not creative so I guess that kind of answers the question. I 
I, I wonder if it's like that thing of like, you know how like every superpower is also like a curse, you know, like mm-hmm. it's like maybe the curse of being a social outcast as a youngster mm-hmm. is also the superpower of like, well, I don't care what anyone thinks of me. Therefore, I won't feel judged and I'm just going to do my own thing. Yeah. Or I th- I think that's a fair point. Yeah. Or maybe the superpower caused them to be an outcast. Well, I think it is, like, a self-feeding cycle. Yeah. Like, I, I do think that, like, you start to get a taste, and then it's like, oh, now I'm getting some recognition. It's because I didn't care what others thought. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, well, I'm definitely not going to care what others think now. And there's an element maybe of the ego in there, too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's fair. But to answer your question, it's a, it's a mandatory requirement. You have to, you have to be weird. Is it possible to be, like, like, well, I mean, definitely there's weird people out there who are weird, but they also never do anything great, you know? Am I being called out? (laughs) (laughs) You do something great, which is the Engineering History Podcast. (laughs) Oh, true. (laughs) And being a dog mom to River. That's fair. Even though that doesn't require that much creativity. It does not (laughs) require any creativity whatsoever. Yeah. I I wonder, honestly, like, if it's possible to, like, you know, when it comes to, like, a full and complete human existence, like, is it possible to start your life out as a weirdo, then maintain a degree of success, and then at some point you opt out of the game, Mm -hmm. you use your earnings, whatever they are, maybe they're money, but maybe they're, like, social capital, maybe they're knowledge you got from just reading a bunch of books, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe you take whatever you benefit from and then decide to go live, like, a life, you know, and, and live, like, kind of a normal life. Yeah, I think you would have to be surrounded by normal people, but I feel like, in Jack's case, you know, he was surrounded by a bunch of other weirdos, yeah. so it kind of just, um, like, pumped him up a little bit, like, yeah, you know, you know I mean, he, he, he was part of a fucking cult. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. <laughs> They were like, yeah, let's just take notes while you jizz all over these sacred While L. Ron sacred Hubbard texts. takes notes. Yeah. <laughs> I, do you think there's a timeline, especially considering Jack's uh, mental health issues, where after he quits the OTO, he founds his pyrotechnics company, but he also, instead of trying to emigrate to Israel, he just tells Cameron, like, hey, I just want to be a normal person now. And, like, he picks up, like, you know, rock climbing or something. And he <laughs> basically has kind of just like a, you know, he has his pyrotechnics company, which is fine, but it's not like innovating anything. Or do you think there's like this need for him? I think there's a need for him. I think once once you've hit the peak and both socially and professionally, um, well, I got. I don't know. I guess his social peak was jizzing in, in front of people while they took notes. But um, once you've kind of hit that, it's like it's hard to lead like a vanilla life almost, you know? Yeah. No, for sure. Because that was your normal for so I know. For so long. And then like, you know, just having like a wife and kids is weird. Yeah. And it's not only weird. It's like it's. I mean, hate to say it, but, like, to him, he'd probably call it boring, you know? Exactly, yeah. Whereas, like, some people, it's, like, and probably most people, like, having a family is, like, the most fulfilling thing you can do, you know? Yeah, like, like, they strive for that, yeah. Do you think there's any hope for someone who, like, kind of was in that position, and then they, like, they hit a big jackpot, 
do you think there's any hope for them to say, okay, now I'm done. Now I'm retired from that life. I'm going to go start a family and, and start the next phase of my life where I can leave this behind. Maybe. Cause I think there's a lot of better uh, resources out there for mental health, which I think would have really helped Jack in this case, kind yeah. of uh, prevent him from, or maybe like helped mitigate some of his um, like t- uh, more toxic tendencies, like cheating on his wife with his uh, uh, sister-in-law. Yeah. Um, so I, it's, it's, you know, anything's possible, you know, I yeah. feel like, yeah, why the fuck not? You know, honestly, if you take that guy and you just fast forward him to the era of like therapy, mm-hmm. maybe you have a really different outcome. Yeah. Maybe he would still be, um, a part of JPL. He, he'd have better like, uh, coping mechanisms with his manic depression and he'd, maybe he'd still be married to the same woman. Yeah. Who seemed very supportive, who didn't automatically leave him after he sold her <laughs> engagement ring. <laughs> you know, it was a weird thing. Um, and definitely a red flag if, if yeah. there ever was one. <laughs> I, I almost think it's like a little too late for that. Like, I think he kind of needed to go through that portion. He needed to kind of hit rock bottom. Mm-hmm. But I think if he had, I mean, obviously this maybe isn't true because he like, Obviously, he died on the job for his pyrotechnics thing. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if, you know, he, he still had the dream of going to Israel and restarting. Like, I have to wonder if that part of him was the part that was like, you know, you used to be respected and now look at you and like and, and stuff like that. Yeah, start over in a totally new place where he could gain that respect back. Yeah, yeah. yeah I could see that. Yeah, maybe it's all just like phases of life you know being a young person is all about just going crazy and leaning into your weirdness and like gaining resources and then maybe the later part of life that he was starting to enter is about it's time to start thinking about starting a family and and really taking care of yourself it's possible i don't i'm I wish I was I was in his head because that would be an experience. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to be in his head for about five seconds and then have a guaranteed way out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day. What if they made a machine where you could turn yourself into any animal, mm-hmm. but the technology was so new and you were experimenting on yourself? And then you, I don't know why I thought of this, but I was like, what if you turn yourself into a tiger and then... A tiger doesn't know how to operate the machine, so then you're stuck as a yeah. tiger. And then Tiger King, like, breaks and out of jail. And then you're in your fucking cage or whatever. I've never seen Tiger King. Oh, it's so good. I know everyone watched it. Yes, the pandemic. it's so good. I've heard it's great. I've heard nothing but good things. Yeah, that would be... Or you... Well, you could just have someone else operate the machine on you. Yeah, but then they're in a room with a fucking tiger. But... Would you be self-aware enough to not attack them? This maybe is like, you know, where does intellect reside? I feel like it resides in the brain. So if you have a tiger brain, then you don't know. How about just start off with something simple like a sloth? Yeah, that's a lot less dangerous, isn't it? Yeah, or like a slug. I'd rather be a sloth. They're so cute. They are. Slugs are just kind (laughs) of like... Yeah, <laughs> they just make weird noises. They do. And then when they get salt poured on them, they go... <laughs> Ouchie! <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, that's about all I got. Same here. Well, you know, one thing we did want to do at the very end here was we did want to kind of turn this back to the people we're talking to and say just thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast, all three of you. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, yeah. I, well, I guess sort of the reason we wanted to say something is because it's a lot 
more than three people and yes. were really surprised by that. And yes. I guess just really grateful. Yeah, it's this has been a lot of fun doing, and because of the support of our viewers, we can continue doing this. The, I mean, it's just been over overwhelming that like people would like share it in their stories on Instagram and like yeah, you know, we've had so many friends just like like tell us like, hey, we really like this and like keep it up and stuff. Yeah, and if there has been any criticism, it's always been like constructive, super constructive, and, and not like yeah. this is a horrible idea for a podcast. It's always been like you know this this could improve it or like put push it to the next level. Yes, yes, and it's also been couched in terms of like. But overall, great job. Yeah. So thanks a lot to everyone who's said something or or shared the podcast with their friends or or done anything. Just because like it, I I feel like we I I feel like I could do it either way. Like even if no one was listening, but yeah, it's nice that some people are listening. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Well. All right. All right. Well. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks everybody.